You are listening to The Book Judge, a podcast about books that you should read if you're interested in business. I'm your host, Conrad Chua. This is a curated reading list to give you a better grip on how to approach the complex issues that businesses face. This is the first episode of 2021, and it's that time of the year when many of us make a New Year resolution. Some want to lose weight, others to get a new job. If you've not made a resolution yet, I want to encourage you to think about how to live better with a new relationship to technology. This is what is covered in this episode's book, Digital Minimalism, by Cal Newport. In some ways, you can think of this book as a merry condo for a smartphone. The fundamental advice that Newport gives is that we should first ask ourselves, what's the objective in using an app, a website, or a piece of technology, and whether that piece of technology is the best way to achieve that objective. If it's not, then don't use it. As anyone who's seen my office table would know, I'm not a disciple of Marie Kondo. I have all kinds of stuff on my table. I can just see them all right here that I just never get around to clearing until I can't find something and then I think, okay, I need to really do a major clean. And that's mirrored to what I have on my laptop with files and documents accumulated over years of use. But that's not what Cal Newport is talking about here. He's talking about how people obsessively check Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now you've got Snap, TikTok, and how some people just spend hours going down some internet or Reddit rabbit hole, just clicking on link after link. Newport's point is that it's so easy to get sucked into these pointless activities and, in the process, lose sight of what is truly of value to us as individuals. There are many studies that show people systematically underestimate the amount of time they spend on social media or on the web. It's only when you're confronted with a tool like Apple's Screen Time app that you go for a digital detox, and then we realize just how much time we spend on our devices. Newport points out that It really was that mass adoption of the smartphone that accelerated this trend. Social media companies optimize their app UI designs to keep you hooked onto their network. You get that little bit of dopamine hit every time you see a like or retweet, and that makes you want to come back for more and more and more. And with my smartphone in my pocket or bag, it's that much easier for me to give in to the temptation of scanning that newsfeed every time there's a downtime. The objective of the social media companies is clear. They want to sell your time and attention to advertisers. When people learn that Newport does not have any social media accounts, they invariably ask him, well, how do you connect with people? He addresses this question by challenging whether the connections that we're so proud of on social media are actually deep or authentic. It's so easy for people to tap a like or a retweet or comment on someone's post and we, we think that's true connections. I'm old enough to remember a time before social media. I, I have to call people on the phone or write letters. I even used aerograms to write home when I was studying in the US. I admit, I'm not the most social of people and I genuinely have difficulty putting in the effort to maintain relationships with people whom I don't meet regularly for work or on a school run, etc. So the idea that writing a post on Facebook 
or liking someone's post on LinkedIn could represent connection was very appealing to me. Until I found I had more than 2,000 connections on LinkedIn, and most of them, I can't even remember how we connected. We have so much of this low-level connection that it saps our energy to initiate and maintain the small number of truly authentic relationships that we can really have. But the point now is that it's only through making that effort that you reap the rewards. An entire generation now thinks that liking a person's post represents friendship. Conversely, anxiety and mental health issues amongst the younger generation have increased as they feel the pressure of producing that perfect Instagram photo or that very clever post that would get more likes. There's this great episode of the podcast This American Life sometime in the mid-2010s where a group of high school kids dissect the hidden social meanings of why some of their classmates did not like their post within an hour of it going up. In their words, everybody's on Instagram all the time, so their friends have no excuse for not seeing their posts. This is the part of the podcast where I place a spotlight on one part of the book that you can use immediately in your business or in an interview or just to impress your business school friends. I call this the Did You Know section. One of Newport's philosophies is that intentionality is satisfying. As this self-styled digital minimalist, he derives satisfaction from first thinking about his relationship with specific technologies before using any of them. And this idea is independent of the technology and it caters for different approaches to the same technology, so it isn't dogmatic. To illustrate this point, Newport looks at the Amish, a community that many people, including myself, thought was inherently anti-technology. Newport argues that the Amish are not Luddites, but think carefully about what is the value of any technology to them before adopting it. So they're happy to have solar panels and diesel generators because that generates electricity that helps with their agricultural way of life. But they won't connect to the electrical grid. In their mind, the electric grid represents a connection to the outside world with all the obligations that it brings. A researcher who spent months with the Amish found that they've even embraced entrepreneurship. One family had a computer-controlled precision milling machine that produced parts for the community, all operated by their 10-year-old daughter. And while personal mobile phones are not allowed in the community, they usually have a community phone booth. Yes, those things still exist. The researcher found a huge spirit of what she called Amish hacking, where the Amish embraced tinkering and modifying technology all within their way of life. The Amish go through what I assume is an implicit process of technology adoption. They start with the values that they cherish and ask whether a given technology creates more value than harm with respect to those values. One member of the community will seek permission to try out the new piece of technology and if approved, the rest of the community 
observes how that piece of technology is used. If it passes the value test, it is adopted with some caveats attached, and if it doesn't pass, it's prohibited. I did find it difficult to separate my own aversion to what sounded like groupthink. For example, the Amish reject car ownership because they found that Amish who own cars tended to spend their weekends driving out of the community for picnics or sightseeing. They didn't spend their time tending to the sick within the community. But I could see Newport's point that this is a more intentional way of using technology. And even if you don't embrace the Amish way of life, and I don't, and if you're listening to this podcast, it's very likely you're not Amish, you can still lead a much calmer life than frenetically checking your Instagram feed. Newport offers three steps in a digital decluster process. First, he wants you to take a break from optional technologies for 30 days. That word optional is very important. Second, during these 30 days, explore and reclaim activities that you find satisfying. Third, after the 30 days, reintroduce the optional technologies, but only after you've considered they're truly the technology that delivers maximum value. Newport argues that this approach is much better than the complete digital detox that some people advocate. Because with his way, it acknowledges that there's some circumstances that require you to use some of the technologies, some social media. For example, if you work in digital marketing, you definitely need social media. So that is an optional for you but you can have certain operating principles. For example, you only check social media at certain times of the day for certain duration or only on your desktop so you you don't feel compelled or tempted to keep whipping out your phone all the time. Also, when you cut off these optional technologies, you must have some idea what you're going to do with all that free time. And you'll be surprised how much free time you get This is why Newport suggests that you plan ahead how you will, in his own words, reclaim leisure. Or else you'll find it that much more difficult to resist the temptation of using those optional technologies again. I don't fully subscribe to Newport's entire thesis, but I have been spending a lot more time on my screens than I need to or want to. And that time could be better spent with my family, connecting with people, or learning and applying new skills. So, my New Year resolution is I'm going to adopt his digital declutter process. So, for my step number one, I've identified certain optional technologies and a subset of them are Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I've put in some work-related caveats because I also look after marketing in my role and yes, we do have to look at those social media once in a while. And then there is streaming video, which is a huge time suck. I'm not going to completely stop it, but I think I'll only watch streaming videos if my daughter is watching too. That should drastically cut down my screen time and also use that time to connect with family. It may also lead me to, lead me to think, well, should I renew 
my Netflix or Disney Plus subscriptions. There is, though, one part of streaming that's completely optional, but it's going to be very difficult for me to give up. That's watching live football, and particularly my football team, Tottenham Hotspur. With them playing two matches a week during what's like a nine, ten-month season, that's three hours I spend in front of the TV every week. But if we win, I can spend hours more on Twitter or YouTube following fan reactions. And if we lose, I go into this, well, almost depressive funk. I'm reluctant to cut football out of my life totally because it does give me a certain enjoyment, that sense of being part of a fan base that I don't get anywhere else. So I'm going to have Tottenham matches on, but not sit in front of the TV throughout the game. I'll just schedule some work that does not require too much mental concentration. And I'll do them in the other rooms. Um, I might do some cooking, cleaning up, and I'll just pop into the living room now and then to see how the match is going. And I won't be following post-match reactions at all. My step number two is reclaiming leisure. Now, Newport's a big fan of doing something with your hands, so he's got lots of suggestions for DIY. I'm not a huge DIY fan, but I am going to use the time to clean up my house, learn to do some repair work. I'll also use the time to learn how to set up a personal WordPress site, something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I procrastinated. And I think it's really important because that's a fundamental skill and it will be something that everyone will be doing to do their own profiles. And I also want to devote more time to reading, which will also help this podcast. I started this declutter process on Christmas Day 2020 So by the time the next episode drops, I should be able to tell you how I'm getting on. For every book I introduce, I have this segment called The Author Question, one question that I could ask the author. Usually, uh, I would tweet the question to the author, but true to his digital minimalism roots, Cal Newport does not have a social media presence. He does have a blog and he started a podcast in 2020 with lots of content where he answers questions from readers. So I would encourage you to go to calnewport.com, look at the questions that people have posed him, and if you've got any questions, well, ask him directly. That's all for this episode of The Book Judge. If you like what you hear, I want to ask one favor. Tell one other person about the show and encourage them to listen. You can subscribe to this podcast through Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And that now includes Amazon Music. So if you have an Alexa, you can listen to this podcast with your smart speaker. Whatever this platform you use, please leave a rating. It helps others discover the show. And you can also put in any questions that you might have in the review section. I'll pick them up and I'll answer them. You can also tweet me at conradchua 16 but then again, as I said, I'm going to detox, declutter for 30 days. So the best way to do anything to reach out to me would be to leave a comment or a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Till next time, this is your book judge, Conrad Chua.